When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Progressive presents an interview with your upstairs neighbor. Hey, it's Rick from upstairs. Yeah, I take it seriously. When I play R&B at one in the morning, that's me saying, hey, I'm here for you. And I enjoy repetitive bass lines. I only use expired batteries in my smoke detectors. <laughs> nice, right? Yeah, upstairs neighbors help people forget their troubles. Give them something else to focus on. Ooh, want to see how high I can jump? Progressive can't save you from your upstairs neighbor. No, wait, let me try again. But we can save you money when you bundle renters and auto insurance with us. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Mariska's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. And Chuck's Southern Coverage Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. Let's drop the puck. Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Here I, Chicago! Welcome into a not live edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC Chicago, and with me, as always, is the one, the only, the adventurous, the awesome, the magnificent Jay Zawoski. Jay, four games into the preseason, we're about a week and two days away from an actual regular season hockey game. How are you feeling right now after four games? Um, I'm feeling good, maybe a little better than I thought I would, but I still have a lot of questions about the team, and I don't know. Um, my fear is, and it's kind of always a fear with Coach Q, is is he seeing the same things I am? And the top story of camp, or one of the top stories of camp, has been Alex DeBrincat, and he has looked, when he's played, like one of the best players on the ice, right? And um, my concern is that some of the mistakes he's made – uh, some of the turnovers he's made, all of all the results of being aggressive, trying to make a play, trying to do something positive with the puck. I'm I'm afraid that those mistakes are going to cost him making the team out of camp. I think he should. 
I think if you are taking a position away from him to give it to Tommy Wingles or Lance Boma or whoever else you might have in mind, I think that's a mistake. He looks to me like he's ready to go. Um, and I think we're going to find out, you know, in these as the cuts keep coming um, and he gets more ice time against better players and with better players if he does truly belong. But so far, so good with the Burncat. So far, so good with Schmaltz. I think Connor Murphy has looked pretty good. I'm a little concerned about Gustav Forsling. Um, I like what I see in Jan Ruda. But to me, Schmaltz and DeBrincat were the two top questions, and, th- and those two uh, have been pretty well answered so far, in my opinion. Um, yeah, yeah, I definitely think that the question of who's in and who's out has definitely been one that's been on the mind of a lot of Blackhawks fans, and it's one that I know you and I have talked about extensively on this podcast and just kind of in our conversations in general. And I would have to agree with you that there have been some of the young guys that I think have really stood out and they've really earned a shot at this roster. And you have to probably end up dumping veterans to get to that point. The kind of guys I'm thinking of John Hayden, I think has had a fantastic training camp and I've really liked what I've seen from him in the preseason and I hope to God that Joel Quenville doesn't say well we need Jordan Tutu on this roster more than we need John Hayden because I feel like that would that kind of thinking would be a mistake but given how well I thought Hayden adjusted to the NHL game last year and how well he has played so far in this preseason I've really liked what I've seen from him I've really liked what I've seen from Laurent Dolphin Larry Dolphin our guy I Yes, I definitely, uh, by the way, we found out his nickname on Twitter is Flippers27, and I don't think I've ever been more validated on anything in my life, so that was really <laughs> awesome. I was really happy to see that, but uh, I've liked what I've seen from him. I've also, like you, I've really liked what I've seen from Alex DeBrincat. I feel like he gives this team an element that they don't have. They don't have that extra dynamic scoring threat on the top six. They need him to play that role. And I think he's looked excellent so far with Patrick Kane. And that's something that we're going to get into a little bit later, I think, is that second line construction. But I've liked what I've seen from him too. And I've also liked uh, Jan Ruda. I keep noticing him making really smart plays, not only with the puck, but without it too. He's making really good defensive moves. Love the way he works along the boards. I've really liked what I've seen from him skating in transition. I feel like he really gives the Blackhawks defense a really good element, and I really like it. And that's good because I have not liked what I've seen from Gustav Forsling like you. I really dialed in on him watching him the last couple of games after you had mentioned that you really weren't a fan of what he had been doing and I kind of locked in on him and you're absolutely right he's looked very erratic he has not looked smart had a really bad turnover last night against Boston when Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron who admittedly two of the best two-way forwards in the NHL it's not the worst thing in the world when they pick your pocket but they made him look silly and they stole the puck from him and scored immediately so haven't really liked what I've seen from him I've seen nothing to me that indicates that Thomas Yurko belongs on this roster. I have no idea why the Blackhawks gave up a third-round pick for him. He has not shown anything to me. And finally, Jordan Tutu, who now I think is just a redundant asset at this point. If you're going to insist on keeping Lance Boma and Tommy Wingles on this roster, I don't think you need all three of them. And I think out of those three, if I'm going to cut one to make room for a guy like a Hayden or a Debrincat. 
2-2 would probably be my guy. I think I have to agree with you on that. Um, you know, that that bottom – those those bottom of the roster guys aren't as huge a concern to me. But like we said with DeBrincat, you mentioned John Hayden. And that's a guy you can tell has worked his ass off to get in shape, get a step faster, um, and give the Blackhawks what they are lacking. And that's a forward with size. I really want John Hayden to make this team out of camp. And maybe he's going to go through a couple times during the season where he hits a lull, where he's not scoring, where he's struggling offensively. That's fine. Let him play through those. Guys like John Hayden don't grow on trees anymore. Big wingers. He's not overly physical. He's not going to you know, put you through the glass or anything like that. But he's a big body that gets in a way that can get in front of the net. He's got good hands. We saw that last night with the goal he scored. It was absolutely sick. No one even knew it went in except him. Um, and he's shown that knack. Even when he got called up last year, he showed the knack for some uh, some sniping ability. I, I think I compared him on Monday to Brian Bickle, and I don't mean that in an insulting way. I mean, Brian Bickle, when he was performing the way, uh, you know, when he was at the top of his game, very similar. A guy with size who's got a great shot, good accurate shot, good hard shot, and can put the puck in the net. That is a rare commodity in the league these days. So I think they need to do everything they can to make sure John Hayden's part of things here. Now, look, I don't know what their commitment level is to the free agents they brought in, Lance Boma and Tommy Wingles. Uh, I always feel like if a guy's a free agent, they're sort of a priority. Uh, I believe they were day one free agents as well. Or they, they were very close to it if they weren't day yeah, if it, one. Yeah, if it wasn't day one, it was July 2nd, July 3rd, something like that, um, which makes me think that they were targeted by Stan Bowman. So I don't know, and, and I think we discussed this earlier too. Like, sh- Depending on who makes the team, it's gonna, it, it might show you who's in charge, but now it's going to be really hard to tell. Because like, is Wingles and Bowman, are those Bowman guys? He's the one that signed them. But maybe Q said, hey, give me some veteran wingers that can play north and south, and he said, okay, cool, here. Here's two guys like out of a hat that can do that. Um, but Hayden looks good. I think he should make it. And uh, David Kampf has been really good, too. And, uh, you know, he's still learning, obviously. And he doesn't – he reminds me kind of of Tyler Mott, where there's not, like, one thing he's great at, but he's good at a lot of things. And I was talking to a, a scout friend of mine, and he said that uh, Kampf is a really smart player. He's a student of the game. He knows the game well. And if he doesn't make it this year, he's definitely going to be part of things down the road. Um, and he did not have those same things to say about Tyler Mott. I think Kampf is a better kind of a player. Um, maybe starts the season in Rockford, but could be one of those first call-up guys. And could be one of those guys, when he's called up, he never looks back, kind of like Andrew Shaw. I'm not saying he's a player like Shaw. I'm just saying when Shaw got called up that first time, I don't think he ever went back down. Um, the good news to me is we have all these tough roster decisions. That tells me, though that the Hawks are maybe a little bit deeper organizationally than we thought. There are There is a lot of NHL talent in this system. Yeah, maybe it's not top-end, top-six kind of guys, but they do have a depth of bottom-six forwards, which you need. You need those sort of things to win cups. You need those sort of things to make trades. Uh, and I think we're all sort of kidding ourselves if we don't think at some point this year the Hawks are going to make a trade for a defenseman because Oh, even, God, yes. Yeah, and even if Cody Franzen maxes out and even if gustav forsling turns it around and plays like the player they think he'll be and yada 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 uh that's still not a championship caliber defenseman defense so no it's not uh you need those pieces to make those trades i'm not saying tommy wingles is going to be the difference between getting a stud defenseman or not but (laughs) teams in the playoff push are always looking to add veterans there's a ton of injuries as the season goes on 
So, yeah, maybe a guy, I think a guy like Wingles has that sort of value where any team is sort of better to have him. It's a guy, it reminds me sort of a Ben Smith. Put him on the ice, he can play a number of roles. He's not going to hurt you. He's not going to score a lot, but he's going to go out there and give you, you know, a quality 12, 13 minutes. Uh, even if it's not spectacular, it's it's fine. And, and there is a little bit of value in that. So, I don't know, through four games, it's hard to really judge. Um, I will say, and I... I'm going to spike the ball on this one. I'm so glad Brandon Saad is back. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. And he's he's better than when he left. Such a clear difference maker on that team and such a good fit alongside Jonathan Taves. It is absolutely remarkable how seamlessly those two have kind of come back together and started playing together again. It's been remarkable to watch them. And like you said, he's so fluid. He's so good on both sides of the ice. He's been a monster around the net, scoring a ton of goals from in close. And his defense is incredible. And he opens up so much room for Jonathan Taves and Richard Panic on that top line. I feel like if he sticks on that top that top line, if it sticks together with Panic, Taves, and Sod, I feel like that gives so much more room to breathe for the Patrick Kane line because you're going to have a line that will not only be good enough to stop an opposing team's top line, but it's also going to be good enough to score some goals. And it's going to be a really big benefit to Patrick Kane, even though he's probably not going to have consistent line mates right away. It's going to be a huge benefit to him to be able to not have to go up against the team's top defensive stopper all the time because they're going to have to focus on that top line, too. It gives the Blackhawks an incredibly good depth of top six, and I really feel like it's something they can take advantage of. When we come back from this break, we're going to talk about that Blackhawks second line with Nick Schmaltz and Patrick Kane and Winger X. Um, but before that, I want to tell you about our friends at Triple Threat Sports. You know they're the best place to go in town if you need your NHL jerseys lettered, but they're also the best place to go if your team needs jerseys if you're a traveling baseball softball football team whatever you have 10 kids you have 100 kids triple threat sports will get you hooked up with great looking apparel they'll help you design the logo they'll help you with the fit everything you need for your team triple threat sports is the place to get it for you so call chris at 708-478-6090 that's 708-478-6090 or email him for more info at chris at triple threat sports.com triple threat sports if you can wear it, they can make it. And real quick, we got to say thank you to Chris for supplying us with our banner from last week with some T-shirts and koozies to give away at the event as well. Uh, our event at Chuck's went fantastic. We raised $500 for Rush Hospital Epilepsy Center. Uh, so thank you to everyone that came out, everyone that bid, everyone that bought raffle tickets. Uh, we'll talk more about that as the podcast goes on. But a special thanks to Triple Threat Sports for hustling, putting together some last-minute stuff for us, and it came out absolutely fantastic. We will be right back on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into this latest edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We were talking earlier about the Blackhawks that have stood out to us through four preseason games, and now we have to get to one of the biggest stories of all of training camp, and that has been the team's second line, and specifically whether or not Nick Schmaltz is going to be able to be the second line center jay from what you've seen of nick schmaltz in that role i believe he's played every preseason game so far what's been your biggest takeaway of him playing center so far uh there's a lot of things i think that there have been handfuls of times several times a lot of the time when he's on the ice that he looks like one of the best players out there 
Um, one thing I love about Nick Schmaltz is he is constantly in motion. He's constantly trying to get the puck, cycling, trying to find the best passing lane. He is uh, – I, I love what I've seen from Nick Schmaltz. I really, really do. I had my questions whether or not he could be center. He's improved his faceoff numbers. Still not great, but he's getting better, which is what matters. That's a line that, especially if it's going to be Schmaltz, Kane, and DeBrincat, they're not going to worry about uh, shutting anybody down. They're going to play the line matchups. They're going to go out there, and they're going to outskate everybody. And you don't really have to worry about defense if you have the puck the entire damn shift. And uh, <laughs> with those guys, it certainly looks like that's going to be the case. I have huge hopes for Nick Schmaltz entering this year. Um, man, I hope that he can look as good in a regular season as he's looked in the preseason because he's been outstanding. Every game, there's been a moment where I've said, wow, about Nick Schmaltz. And uh, I think a lot of us before last year maybe started to lose a little bit of faith in him because he wasn't here yet and there were some negotiation things and it just didn't seem like a high priority. He wasn't really talked about in the same breath as some of the better prospects in the league. Well, he came on the second half last year, looked really good, and has picked right off where he, picked right up where he's left off. Uh, with a really tremendous preseason. Uh, I love what I see. I want Q to give him the chance to learn and grow and thrive on that second line and live with some of the failures that are going to come because it's going to pay off big time. That kid's a stud. And uh, now, look, we, we talked about, you know, maybe the window on his team is closing. Well, if Nick Schmaltz becomes a legit second-line center and Alex DeBrincat becomes the player that they think he's going to be, all of a sudden you can scrap that narrative right away. They're back. They've got two young, dynamic forwards. Connor Murphy, who has been a better skater than I expected, coming into his own as well. So all of a sudden, some of these young players don't look so bad, and the Hawks' future doesn't look so bad either. I'm going to piggyback a little bit with what some of you, what you said about Schmaltz, especially his uh, aggressiveness and how he always seems like he's around the puck and he's always moving in the offensive zone. The thing that I've noticed the most about him in the early going so far, is how aggressively he always hits the blue line. He constantly, every time he hits the blue line, the defense panics. They move all over the ice trying to stop him, and they're scrambling so much that they're opening up lanes for Alex DeBrincat and Patrick Kane to skate through. There was a great goal, I believe it was in the Detroit game, the second preseason game, where Schmaltz hit the blue line immediately drove to the center of the ice, took two defenders with him, and eventually Richard Panic found Alex DeBrincat wide open in the slot for an easy goal because uh, Schmaltz hit the blue line with so much speed and so much aggressiveness and went right to that area that the defense had no idea what to do. They overshifted to stop him. They opened up a bunch of space for DeBrincat, and bam, a goal was scored. It was a thing of hockey beauty and watching it unfold just makes you happy as a hockey fan to see it because you know that Schmaltz last season at times was really tentative. He would come into the zone, he wouldn't shoot the puck. He would have the puck, he'd wait too long. This year it seems like there's been a change of attitude with him where he's the one driving the possession, he's the one creating. And I think putting him at center is a really good idea because it gives you that opportunity to kind of be the, the de facto leader on the ice. It allows you to be the point guard. And I think that's exactly what Nick Schmaltz is doing. And he's really thriving at it. The one thing, the one concern that we keep bringing up, and I have to bring it up again, because if he's going to be the center, 
he has to take face-offs, and he's still not quite winning enough of them, is he? No, I agree with you on that. And um, we have seen in the past Patrick Kane take face-offs, and I think if the situation becomes bad enough where he's – what was he? We said it last week. Was he around thirty percent or something like that? Thirty-one percent on two hundred and seventy draws last season. I, I would be shocked if it's that bad again. Um, but uh, if it does look that bad, they're gonna have to figure something out. And I, I want him at center. It changes the team so much. And you just said when he's carrying the puck, teams panic and don't know what to do. Imagine that with Patrick Kane on the right wing. One of those two guys is going to have space, and that is. That's a recipe for disaster for whoever's defending them. To me, that's a nightmare matchup. And, yeah, you get the puck from them, you might have a good scoring chance at the other end. And, uh, you know, you're, you're going to see some of that if that line does come to fruition. Yeah, there's going to be some ugly defensive play, but 85% of the time they're going to have the puck. No one's going to be able to take it from them. And, uh, you know, you got when that happens, you got a really good chance of the puck ending up in the back of your opponent's net. I'm really excited about it, and I know it's preseason. Yeah, I had some guy, you know, after game one or two, I, I said how good Schmaltz looks, and he goes, preseason. Yeah, I'm aware of that, dick boy. I'm just I'm excited about what I've seen so far, and that's really all I have to go off, right? Um, and there's been nothing that I've seen that's not going to translate to, you know, regular season hockey. You know, I, I don't think that suddenly the defenders are going to get faster and be able to stop him. You know, it's slow him down at the blue line. The dude has top-end skill, top-end speed, and uh, if he can put it together for 82 games, especially if the bulk of them are with Patrick Kane, dude, it's going to be quite a thing. Yeah. Drift, draft Nick Schmaltz in your fantasy draft. <laughs> yeah, so, which, don't. We have two of those Sunday, by the way. Mark your calendar. Yeah, we'll be bragging, I'm sure, a lot on Monday when we talk next about how fantastic our – fantasy rosters are or more likely i'll be whining about how bad mine is or something who knows well in the madhouse league the madhouse all-stars there's two leagues there's one of of our uh top stars our top contributors like and ponytail dave and people like that um that's 16 teams so there's going to be some hot garbage on our rosters for sure uh, um the other league i believe is it's either 10 or 12 that's Madhouse Pod League Two. We wanted to get some new people involved, um, you know, some people we're not as familiar with to get them to feel like they're part of this, you know, because just because they don't email or don't interact with us on Twitter or whatever doesn't mean we don't value them as much as anybody. So want to make sure we got some different names, different people in there. So excited. The fantasy drafts are Sunday night. If you're in the leagues, if you're in Madhouse Pod League Two, the drafts at seven. If you're in the All-Stars League, it's Sunday at 830. So that but we did the All-Stars second because it's going to be a longer draft just because there's more teams. So um, didn't want to run out of time there. But we're excited about that. Um, and, yeah, just I think just sort of generally excited about the Hawks. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting a lot of – I'm getting the goosebumps, man. I'm getting excited now. And all this talk about Nick Schmaltz and who the backup goaltender is going to be. And you know what? It's just good to be talking about meaningful hockey again. Oh. Like it's – we're done with the hypotheticals. We're getting into the nitty-gritty of assembling this roster and seeing how it stacks up against the rest of the NHL. And I, I still contend that they're a borderline division contender. I think that they are a pretty strong case to be second or maybe third in the Central this season. 
I'm feeling more confident than I was. I still obviously have questions, especially on the blue line, but it's just good to actually be able to see this product on the ice and start to kind of get into it more than just like, well, what are we going to see? I don't know. Now we know a little bit more, and it's awesome. Um, before we take another break, I have to uh, make a correction on something I said last week. Um, I don't know where my brain was. I don't know if it was just my nervousness about the event or I'm just old or something like that. I made fun of Joe Mullen. Joe Mullen was one of the most successful American-born skaters of all time. And I don't know why my brain just, like, disconnected me from Joe Mullen and his career. Um, but I'm an <laughs> idiot. So if you were laughing at me and rolling your eyes at my comments about uh, Joey Mullen, you're totally right. I'm an idiot. I don't know how I just was like, oh, it's just such a normal, like a dumbass, like normal name that I didn't even like connect it. So I feel I'm an like idiot. We, yeah, I feel like we made fun of the name more than we made fun of no, him specifically. No, don't bail me out on this. I said, okay, fine. I'll I said try. he's a guy that did things. <laughs> that was my analysis of Joey Mullen, who is one of the better American-born players of his time. So, I'm an idiot. I'm stupid. Uh, I'm stupid. You're smart. I'm very unattractive, all these things. Um, so, yeah, correction on my part. But you know what you'll not need a correction from? This is so You know what awkward. you're not an idiot for is liking Marishka's. That's right. <laughs> Marishka's, 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill, just west of Route 53. Awesome place. Family owned and operated since 1933. And you could tell it is a place that has been uh, loved and cherished and passed on from generation to generation. The poor boys are their claim to fame, but literally everything is delicious at Marishka's. Make sure you head out, try them. The poor boy sandwich, like I said, they've got great burgers, chopped seafood, the Icelandic cod hand cut on premises. They have a full bar with craft beers, carry out menu as well, and they're open every day. But the 4th of July, Thanksgiving, Easter, and Christmas. I'm without my reads today, so I'm doing this all off memory. So I need a pat on the back for doing as good of a job as I'm doing. We're uh, happy for you. <laughs> thank you. Um, but go to Marishka's. Tell them the Madhouse Podcast. And you do that when you use any of our sponsors here, by the way. It helps us. Um, helps them know their money's not going to waste. Um, but Marishka's is an awesome, awesome place. And everyone who lives within 50 miles of Marishka's has to go at least once in her life. Because you're totally missing out. It's one of those places that if it was in Chicago, it would be a place where every tourist goes. Right? It'd be a place that everyone seeks out. It's not. It's in Crest Hill. It's a little bit off the beaten path, but make yourself, make the time to get out there and go to Marishka's. You will totally appreciate it. All right. When we come back, we will discuss the Blackhawks backup goalie situation. And my colleague at the score, Lawrence Holmes, ran a study with his students about why they do or do not watch hockey. I thought the answers were very interesting. We'll address that and then answer your emails on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We've been talking a lot about the roster construction of the Chicago Blackhawks, and now we're going to get into the one last battle, the one thing we have not addressed yet, and that is the replacement for the legendary Scott Darling. So far this preseason, we've seen one game apiece for Jean-Francois Berube and Anton Forsberg, and as of right now... I have an opinion on who I think the backup goaltender is, but Jay Zawoski, I'm curious, who do you think it should be? Anton Forsberg. There you go. Well, that's all that. <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, that first game was very impressive. 
He was really under duress. The Hawks had a horrible roster dress that night, and uh, they were just getting lit, and he kept them in. They actually won that game. They did. 5-2, uh, yeah. He was the reason they won that game. He was absolutely outstanding. I think Stan Bowman uh, you know, has him pegged as the backup as well, so it's no big surprise. I, I think we said before preseason started that if he just plays – okay it's his job um and i i think that that remains he's was really good he's gonna get a, another starter or two here before the preseason wraps up i'm actually sort of surprised they're playing crawford as much as they are well i think i think last night was probably his last game i'd imagine that barube and forsberg will get the last two i mean that that would make sense that would stand to reason to me but then again i'm not privy to what the coaching staff is doing but that's how i would do it if i was joel quenville yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. Um, but, yeah, I like what I saw from Forsberg. Um, bigger guy. Uh, had good command of the net down low. Um, always seemed to have his, you know, holes closed off and was playing <laughs> the angles correctly. Uh, yeah, I really liked what I saw from him. Um, you know, I don't know if he's going to be quite as great as Scott Darling was. No. Well, but, that's an, that, but the thing is, though, we've almost been conditioned to anticipate that, haven't we? Because seems like every time they stick a new backup goaltender in there, whether it's your Ray Emery, whether it's your uh, Antti Ranta, whether it's Scott Darling, they always seem to kind of play really well. So it's like the expectations have been maybe unfairly raised a little bit for a guy like Anton Forsberg, don't you think? Uh, Could be. I don't think uh, you're hearing quite the level of hype about him right now. I wonder what role it's going to play that the fact that he's not local, he's not from Chicago. Um, I don't think he'll be as beloved as Scott Darling was. Um, that's just sort of the formula around here is if you're from here and you've got a good story, then people will support you. And they should. I mean, Scott Darling is a great guy, played really well. There's no reason not to. But I, I, got, I grew tired of some of the uh, Crawford suck stuff with him. You never heard that as often with Ranta or uh, – you know any of the other goalies like Emery who they brought in it was always about Scott Darling and look he was good and he looks like he's going to be the starter in Carolina which is no surprise to us because we've seen him play night after night after night um I you know I just think that Forsberg I don't think will have the same level of fan support that Darling had now if he comes out and plays as well as Scott Darling did cool maybe he will um and that's a good problem to have but I, I just think that you probably expect him to be a little more normal of a backup, I guess you'd say. Um, you know, with the numbers-wise, he's not going to be near the top of the league like Darling was in a lot of categories. But I think he's more than solid enough to do the job. Should Corey Crawford get hurt for a spell, he can fill in and, and play well enough. Um, yeah, I think it's it seems pretty much solved to me. Um, I thought Barube was fine, too. I didn't, you know, see anything that made me worried about him playing. Um, but I thought Forsberg just stood out. Made some outstanding saves, really good positionally. I liked what I saw a lot, and you could see what Stan Bowman saw in him when he made that trade. So now if you look at that, you know, it's it's Brandon Sod and Anton Forsberg for Panarin and Mott. Now that's well, that trade looks even better now, right? Well, it's like when the Blackhawks acquired uh, Artem and Isimov in the, uh, col- the trade with Columbus. Everybody focused solely on the fact they lost Brandon Sod, but then they were like, oh, wait a minute, we just got a second-line center. Well, and the other thing with that was everyone was focused on Marco Dano. Yep. As this up-and-coming star who still has not found his way in the league and 
Looks like he might not. Uh, we well, I mean, you got to win it. Well, you got to win a peg. That kind of happens. That's true. That's very true. Um, <laughs> did you see the power rankings? By the way, uh, this just reminded me kind of uh, NHLXM published their power rankings, and they had the Avalanche dead last behind the Golden Knights. Why does that not surprise me? Because they have. Well, I don't know why it doesn't surprise you. It surprises me. Because how does a team with that many top end players suck so bad? Um, they've been doing it for two years, so hence why I'm not that surprised. I know, I just, I just don't They're, understand. They chronically underachieve, and it makes no sense, but I'm also going to bank on them chronically underachieving. So, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's mind-boggling, but not necessarily surprising to me. How quickly do you think they need to solve this Matt Duchesne thing? I'm shocked they haven't already. I yeah, thought, it's kind of strange they haven't. Yeah, I feel... I feel like there's nothing to be gained by continuing to wait and letting this fester. I feel like you put yourself into a corner more and more because teams are going to be like, look, you've got to get rid of this malcontent. And we know you have to get rid of this malcontent, so we're not going to give you what you're asking for. They they need to get their best offer before the season starts and pull the trigger on the trade or else they're going to be looking at January rolling around and teams are going to be like, meh, I don't know. I mean, he's been, you know, being pissy and you guys have sucked for three months and we're not really going to, you know, help you get out of that. Well, I think if the de- if he's still there and it's a deadline, I think that they're going to get everything they want more. So to me, it's I, either see, I don't, do- I don't, I don't think they're going to get as much as they would right now. Uh... I, the way I see it kind of working is almost like a U shape where, they're on kind of a slope atop of the hill right now. It's going to dip horrendously after the season starts and then slowly kind of climb back up like a roller coaster as we get closer to the deadline. But I still think they would get more for him if they traded him right now as opposed to waiting until February. Yeah, yeah, it could be. I, I think that you're. it's one or the other, though. It's either now or deadline. I don't think you try to do it you know, a month or two into the season. But you, because now you're trying to assign logic to the Colorado Avalanche, which is point. the only reason that I, I brought up that hypothetical because God knows what the hell they're going to do. That's a strong point by you. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a strong point. All right. Um, yeah. So goalie solved uh, defense looking like there's maybe more options than we thought. Um, very Forward interested. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Very interested in how the bottom six is going to shake out. Um, just hoping that one of those guys is Hayden. How, how are you feeling about uh, like Vinny Hinnestroza and, and and guys at that sort of level? I really like Vinny. I, I you look him, you watch him play. He's speedy. He's gritty. He's got you know plays with some reckless abandon and not in a bad way. But the puck never's in the net when he's on the ice. It's just kind of he's not a scorer, and I, I don't know if it's ever going to come. And he we, he's always been a late blooming scorer. Uh, but it's just, I don't know, man. With the Brinkat here, where does he fit? I have 14 forwards on my lit, my predicted list of Blackhawks, and he is not on it. Like, I, I think he's a borderline guy, but I just, I don't. The, I, I cannot look at any of these guys and think to myself, not only would I include them on the roster, I don't see the Blackhawks dumping any of them for Henestrosa. No, I agree with you, and I think I wonder if in their eyes, if David Kampf is 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 a comp for Kampf, whatever. It depends on it depends on which announcer you're listening to. Foley or uh, Weidman, they both say it differently. Oh, by the way, it's DeBrinkit. 
Did you have you noticed that Foley does not say Debrin Cat? He says Debrin Kit. But he said Debrin Cat the first game. But he said Debrin Kit the second and third. Well, get your crap together, Foley. Well, that's asking a lot. But we're not going <laughs> to we're, <laughs> we're not going to get into that right now. No, I, I guess not. But you know, it's uh, it's preseason for everybody. You know, yeah. you got to figure. These, don't you know what? Just call him Debrin Cat. It's like Joe Thiesman. Yeah. Just call him Joe Theismann. Call, Come on. No, 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 no. Get a hold of Adam Kempinar and ask him how to pronounce this guy's name. I don't want to go the entire season calling him Debrincat when it's really Debrincat. You know what, though? I will do it deliberately because it sounds better, but I at least want to know that I'm doing it wrong if I'm doing it wrong. Fair enough. I'm calling him Debrincat because uh, it's more fun. Bingo. Larry All Dolphin, DeBrincat, right. boom. <laughs> now that we've solved the pronunciation issues of the Chicago Blackhawks, now we need to solve the issues of the NHL. And to help us with that is your score colleague, Lawrence Holmes. Yeah, so Lawrence Facebooked about this last week, and he was asking his students um, at DePaul about hockey and why isn't it more popular. Um, so he actually took a poll on Facebook, and he got 313 comments. Uh, just from people, you know, on his page, and then uh, open it, and then put up a picture today of the whiteboard at DePaul. And here are some of the answers that people gave as to why they don't watch hockey. And James, if you want to comment on each one or you want to wait, whatever, uh, play it by ear. But here's what some of the things that these students had to say about their lack of interest in hockey. And for the record, uh. There were 20 to 20, uh, I'm sorry, there are 20, ages 20 to 24, 15 of them in total, and 12 of them didn't identify as hockey fans. Okay. okay? If I have something to say, I will say buzz or something, and I'll go ahead and weigh in. <laughs> okay. Uh, not an event. I don't get what that means. I think it means that it's not a place to be like Wrigley Field, which I totally disagree with. Um, anytime. Yeah, yeah, go yeah. to the United Center and tell me that it's more exciting or less exciting than going to guaranteed but again, cellular field. This is about hockey, not about the Blackhawks. Keep that in fine. mind. Okay, fine. Okay. But I, I still think that not an event. It's kind of like, eh. I, that seems like a slightly lazy criticism. Fair enough. He says they say you can't play it year round. Okay. Okay. Uh, the game needs stars. Bing. That is correct. Marketing needs to focus on stars, and they don't do it enough. That is a good point. Well, that's going to come up a couple times here, so pay attention. Uh, one says floor hockey. I don't get that. Floor hockey is awesome. <laughs> um, one says not American. Okay, it's not a, a sport born in America. It's not a place, a sport featuring primarily American players. Baseball is based on a sport that was originated in England. I don't want to hear that crap. Okay. Uh, didn't watch the sport growing up. Ding. That is a, another very solid point. It's hard to build brand loyalty when your parents don't watch something. One says not interested. Boring. Okay. Thank you for you're, your honesty. Ding. You're an idiot. <laughs> don't know the rules. That's ding, the, a thing I, I disagree with that so much. Well, I hear it a lot. People say, I don't I watch hockey. I don't really know what's going on. Okay. Um, what the thing is like, what don't you understand? I think to, to some people offsides is confusing. The puck has to be in before the skater. And if it leaves the zone, the skaters have to exit. It's very simple. But if you don't know, and you're just watching 
and it's not explained, you're kind of like, oh, all right, I don't really get that. I had that trouble when I started watching soccer. Mm -hmm. I was like, what constitutes offsides? Like, I don't get it. But then if you watch five or six games, you're like, okay, I see the player can't be behind the defense when a pass is made. Very simple, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Okay, moving on. No connections, familial. So, like, my family didn't. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Not on national TV. This one, I actually wanted to bring this up because I didn't realize this, but did you know that while the Olympics are going on, there are going to be no NHL games on NBC properties for that entire three weeks? It doesn't surprise me. No one's going to notice either. It's just like, dude, your national TV partner isn't going to air your games for three weeks of the regular season. That, to me, is just mind-boggling. It's so crazy. Well, it's a bad TV contract, and that's that's a big part of why people aren't watching. Uh, another thing, player recognition. Okay, hmm. well, I think we've talked about that. That goes back to the that. star power thing, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then uh, one here says stars play more, which I don't really know what that means, but... <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, people don't get this notion that, like, why do they only play, like, 15 minutes a game? Have you ever tried to play hockey? You go for about a minute, and you're dead you're dead exhausted uh, after th- a minute on the ice man that must be what that means that's that means what that i'm going on, for they're not on the ice the whole time i yeah. i can kind of get that if you're if you're not into it right and you say all right i'm gonna watch the penguins where's Sidney crosby oh he's not playing right now well where is he uh, he's on the bench why well he just had a shift well when's he coming back i don't know two or three minutes they only bat one <laughs> you're you're only batting one ninth of the time in baseball well, I know the quarterback's that, he, not on the field for half the game in football. Like to me, that like you can make the argument all you want, like oh they should play more. But you know what? Other sports, the stars aren't on the field as much as people are cracking it up to be. It feels I think like it, that's a comparison to the NBA and the NBA only. Well, it's to me, it's very simple, and this is not new territory for us. I think that stars are not recognizable because there's a bad TV deal, and because there's a bad TV deal the channels that people watch for their sports coverage don't cover hockey. And it's a, and it's so if, if ESPN spent more time talking about PK Subban or Jonathan Taves or Brent Burns or whatever, those guys would have more recognition nationally. And then those guys would become bigger stars because they'd show their personalities and blah, 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 blah. But when you have none of the above, that's when you you get in this rut that the, the that the the league is in. They used to have Wayne Gretzky, who transcended sports, right? They used to have Mario Lemieux, who was one of the best players ever and a great story because of his battle with cancer. Um, there were so many star players back then, and truthfully, I think fighting did draw some people to the game. I really do. I think, especially back in the eighties and nineties, when it was like bench clearing brawls and you that the age of the goon i think people back then were into that sort of thing i don't know if the league went back to that now if it would work if it would sell i think just society in general for the most part is kind of evolved and is sort of past that kind of stuff but at the time that was a big part of why the sport had the success it had um right now it's just in a rut and your biggest uh, arguably your biggest star patrick kane has a big shadow over his head uh, whether you, you know, however you feel about what happened two summers ago, 
Um, and, you know, we've sort of discussed this before, too, where it looks like, you know, it probably was kind of a setup situation. Um, but the Hawks handled it poorly and they lost a lot of people. You've got that specter hanging over your marquee American-born player. Your other star is Alexander Ovechkin, who's Russian. Uh, Sidney Crosby, who's about as exciting as a piece of leaf lettuce. You know, so it's just kind of... Hey, don't, the guys call, that... don't call out Jonathan Taves like that. I saw what you did there. <laughs> well, you know what, though? Taves has been going out of his way to sort of become more outspoken and show a bit of his personality and show a bit of his passion. And, yeah, he's rubbed some people the wrong way. But um, I think that that's a good thing. I think that players need to do that. And the other part of it is that it's so frowned upon to express yourself as a hockey player, right? Because then you become selfish. It's not about the team. Hockey's sort of like the ultimate team sport where even the best of the best have to talk like they're a fourth liner, right? Uh, that I think that culture needs to change. I think they need to encourage um, personality, a little bit of ego, a little bit of uh, showboating. I think all these things are good. They're good for the game because it creates heroes and villains, right? You've got brash players like Deion Sanders that everyone hated back in the day, except the, except the fans of the team he was on. An enemy is a good thing. And Sidney Crosby is probably the closest thing the league has to that. But it's not because I don't like him because he's brash or whatever. It's I don't like him because I'm tired of seeing him and hearing about him. And he's kind of a dork. And he's kind of annoying, right? It's just get, let these players show themselves. Let them uh, expose their personalities. Yeah, a lot of them don't really have them. They're farm boys from Canada, but fine. There's got to be a handful of guys on each team that are impressive and intelligent or funny or charismatic. And and I think that times need to change and these players need to not be afraid to show their individuality. It's not going to hurt the team if you have a, you know, if you make a joke or you say, or you, you over-celebrate a goal here now and again, right? These are things that young people want to see. That's the future of the league. And uh, they, they got to do, the league's just got to do a better job of getting that sort of, I don't want to say like basketball, because I think basketball's kind of become like a soap opera. It's so little about the game anymore. It's all about like who said what about who and who's going where. But then you turn the game on and it's like, this kind of sucks, right? Um, <laughs> it needs to kind of be right in the middle there where the game still thrives, um, but the players are at the forefront of the league's success. Huh. Man, yeah, you... Um... Pretty much hit the nail on the head there. I don't know how much more I can add to that. All right, great. Thanks for that, James. Well, you know what? The... Seriously, though, like, you <laughs> literally, like, just talked for, like, two whole minutes. What I did, I... yes. Like, I'm sorry. You literally hit every single angle of that. It's like, well, I feel like adding on at this point would just be piling on. But there is one more thing on the whiteboard that I'm hoping that you bring up because I am prepared for it. Bring it. Knuckles Kratt. No dominant team. Well, that's not true. That is 100% unequivocally not true, and we can blame it on the league's marketing because I did some research on that because I was like, how does hockey compare to other sports in terms of there being a dominant team? Three, eight of the last nine Stanley Cups have been won by three teams, the Kings, the Blackhawks, and the Penguins, right? Mm -hmm. Over that same time period since 2009, you have had Six different teams win World Series, and only one of them has won multiple championships. 
in the NBA. You've had six winners in the last nine NBA Finals. In the NFL, you have had eight different teams win Super Bowls in the last nine years. Eight. This narrative that hockey doesn't have a dominant team is nonsense. And it is a failure of the league that they apparently have not emphasized that, hey, there are super teams in this league. The Blackhawks have won three Stanley Cups in the last eight years. The Penguins have won three Stanley Cups in the last nine years. There are dominant teams in this league. There are star power packed teams in this league. And people don't know about it because of A, the TV contracts, and B, the big boys like Fox and ESPN don't pay attention to it and they don't showcase it. Ding, ding, ding. That's it. There are dominant teams. The fans or the average sports viewer that doesn't like hockey doesn't know it because it gets no coverage. And I hate to say this, right? I hate to suggest this, but Gary Bettman and the NHL needs to beg ESPN when their contract is up to at least have a partial partnership where games are on ESPN2 or something. They've got to find a way to get on ESPN. Similar to the way the NBA has done it with Turner and with ESPN. Yes, there's a way to do it. Maybe you have your marquee game of the, you know, game of the week on ESPN on, you know, Saturday nights or whatever, but they've got to find a way to get on ESPN because even if there's a game a week, ESPN is going to realize it's in their financial interest, which is really what drives them anyway, and say, all right, well, if we're here, we have this deal. We might as well do our best to promote it, to market it, uh, and to draw interest to it, and they'll do it. And then I guarantee you, if there's any semblance of a deal with ESPN, that you're going to see the NHL grow uh, hugely in just a matter of a couple years. I would agree with that 100%. I I definitely think that the model the NBA found with ESPN and Turner is the way that uh, the NHL needs to move forward. I really do. Absolutely. All right, one more quick timeout, then we'll be back with our weekly email segment. Lots of good questions and a dynamite card from the box. My friend, I I hesitate to give this one up, but I'm going to because I love our listeners. Not only do you get this cool card that I'm holding, you're also going to get a free breakfast from Chuck. So stick around for the email segment. We'll be right back on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email segment, as always, is brought to you by our beloved friends at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe. They hosted us last Monday for our live podcast event. We raised $500 for Rush Hospital's Epilepsy Center in memory of my late sister, Anne. And it was just a great night with a lot of fun. A ton of great listeners came out, won some Hawks tickets, took home some T-shirts, some other great prizes. So, Thank you to everybody that came. I know a lot of you couldn't make it and wanted to. Don't worry. We'll be back. We'll be doing other events uh, around town with some of our sponsors and maybe with some of our non-sponsors just to get out there in the areas where you guys live. But we'll be around. Don't worry about that. But make sure you head to Chuck's, chuckscafe.com. They've got two locations, one in Burbank and one in Darien. They've got the best in Mexican, Cajun, and barbecue fare. My favorite, the Cochinita Pabil. That's the Saturday special. They've also got the barbecue nachos, the Chicago wings. They call them Chicago wings because they're huge and delicious. That's what I had Monday, and I loved it. It was the best decision I made that day. Um, Full beer, full bar with craft brews. James 
uh, broke his uh, 120 beer club cherry and had how many beers did you have Monday, buddy? I ended up having six of them. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. You're amazing. <laughs> no, nah, dude. And you know what? Like, it wasn't like our live pod or our uh, Homewood podcast where I was feeling kind of like, woo, no. I was a baller that night, and I felt completely normal. It was awesome. Yeah. Well, and you had a big plate of tubed meats. Oh, and, my uh, God. Yes. And then uh, Ponytail Dave had the, what was it, the habanero corn chowder. Mm-hmm. Oh. Everything at Chuck's is amazing. I mean, listen to that. Habanero corn chowder. You know how good that's going to taste. Well, it's even better than you imagine. Chuck's is awesome. Go there. Check them out on Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, Chicago's Best, all those local uh, TV restaurant shows. They've been on all of them. So visit chuckscafe.com for their list of specials and locations. We love you, Chuck's Cafe. We love you. You're so tasty. I wish I was there right now. So do I. We just need to go do a podcast there and not have it be a live event. Just... Talk while we eat. Yeah, that sounds great. I will talk while I eat. I thought you said talk <laughs> while we. I was like waiting for you to finish. <laughs> and I'm then like, you realized oh, I said we eat. <laughs> then I reset it in my in my uh, head and I got it. Anyway, all right, email here from uh, our pal Michael Lev, and he uh, asks us what several other emailers have asked us. I am. He says, hopefully this makes the podcast. I need your Cholula hot takes on Mike Milbury replacing Eddie Olchek on NBCSN coverage, please. Now, we were going to get into this during the normal part of the podcast, but there were so many emails about it, we saved it. I'm going to give you, my friend, a hot take. Stand by. If you're not going to fire Mike Milbury, which they're not, right? I think we've already sort of reached this conclusion. Putting him as a color analyst during a game where his comments are limited, they're short, they're not pointed, he doesn't have a whole period to prepare them, is better than having him as a talking head during intermissions. I don't like it. I hate Mike Milbury. I've made that clear. But if there's a gun to my head and I have to choose studio analyst or color analyst, I'm taking color analyst 10 times out of 10. I am going to say this in the nicest way I can, Jay. <laughs> yes. You deserve to be shot with that figurative bullet for such a bad take. I want not you don't deserve to be literally shot. Do not I would never say that, but I'm just telling you that I want my dosages of Mike Milbury to be limited to intermission when I can turn the channel and not hear him. Fair point. I'm wrong. The dude cannot <laughs> the dude cannot diagram a play when he has an entire period to figure it out how in god's green earth is he going to be able to diagram a play on the fly i'll give you a hint i'll give you a little spoiler alert for you imdb fans out there he can't it is going to be a horror show he's going to make phil sims look like the freaking greatest announcer in the history of announcing he is going to be a horror show in that booth and doc emrick may end up throwing himself out of a booth in philadelphia a few weeks into the season because he is going to die of the inane nonsense the bush league crap that's going to come out of mike milbury's mouth this is going to be a horrifically bad experiment and I cannot wait for NBC to figure it out and hire somebody who's actually competent enough to do the job. I'm available. 
I would be better than him. And that's saying something. I am telling you right now, this is going to be the worst. I would literally rather have Dart Guy from Toronto or Nacho Man from St. Louis. I'd rather have those guys breaking down hockey plays than Mike Milbury. This is going to be horrific in every single way, and it frustrates me to no end that they just went, yeah, this is our best option. No! No! You were handed this opportunity to give a young and up-and-coming analyst a role, and instead you gave it to Shoe Boy! What's wrong with you? Oh, my God. That was delicious. <laughs> I have to apologize. I forgot about the option of turning off the intermission report, so you're totally right. You've changed my mind in your rant right there. Um, yeah. How about Ray Ferraro? What's he doing? Between the glass stuff, right? He can come up and be full-time with Doc. I would uh, rather right. Pierre Maguire be in the booth. Ooh. Wow. All right. At least he's not a horrible guy. You know, you could say that about about Pierre. All right. Uh, Follow up question from our friend Hockey Brunch in Chicago. I believe the first time emailing our show. I love Hockey Brunch, by the way. Fellow Arsenal fan. Way to go. Oh, well, that's okay. Uh, (laughs) Follow on the heels of that comment. He says, can either of you name someone in hockey broadcasting you'd like to see in the gig less than Milbury? No, (sighs) no, I don't think so. I really I, don't. I would rather have Don Cherry in the booth than Mike Ooh. Milbury. At least Don Cherry is, air quotes, entertaining. Yeah. Um, Boy, that's kind of bad both ways. Uh, yikes. Oof. I'm going to go with Cherry, too. Just because he's clownish and, like, harmless, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess so. And you get to see the suits every day. I really though, I, Mike Milbury is, I'm trying to think of like another sport equivalent of Mike Milbury, who has been like such an abject failure at coaching. And I, then, have an, I, I, I have it. I have right. the equivalent of Mike Milbury in the booth. Let's do De- it. Dennis Miller. Okay. I could see that, but he wasn't a coach. I'm trying to think of like a four, like a coach that sucked ass, and is somehow uh, you know monetized it into a broadcasting career. Eddie Olchek was a pretty crappy coach. But, yeah, he was a good player though. I guess it's, that's true. Barry Mel- Barry, analyst, Mel- Barry Melrose was a junk coach, and he ended up being a really good analyst. I guess that's the right comparison. How about another sport though? Because hmm. hockey's just dumb. We know that. <laughs> like that's a given. <laughs> like you can do hockey all day. Mark Jackson um, was a pretty bad coach. Yeah. I guess, I guess it doesn't matter if you have a good personality and, and an ability to break down the game. I just, Mike Milbury, like, go back and Google his record as a coach, like, the trades he made as a GM, some of the asinine things he's done. I don't know how he gets work. I just, but. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get what he's going to bring to the broadcast and i'm going to toe the company line a little bit more here when i say that i feel like they could have gone with somebody young and exciting and really like use this as a marketing opportunity and instead they went the easy route and i think it will be to the detriment of their broadcast i agree i agree all right uh, next email here from sarah she says name the biggest surprise of the season best and worst so what do we foresee for the Hawks season as the biggest surprise good and the biggest surprise bad. 
I think the biggest surprise of this season is going to be people watching Connor Murphy and realizing that he's actually a very good skating and very defensively responsible top-line defensive uh, guy. I think that he's going to show a lot of people that the Blackhawks were right to put their faith in him, and I think he's going to add an entire new element to their blue line. I think the biggest disappointment is going to be the struggles of the penalty-killing unit because not only did you lose Marion Hosa, which obviously you're replacing him with Brandon Saad, but you also lost Marcus Kruger. And I don't, I don't think there is a guy in this system right now that's going to be able to replace Marcus Kruger on the penalty kill, and I think they will struggle mightily as a result. And I think you're going to see another bottom-of-the-league type performance out of that group. All right. I like those. Hmm. My biggest surprise, despite aside from the things we've already talked about, is going to be Tanner Carroll. I liked what I've seen from him in the preseason. I think he's ready to take over that full-time fourth-line center role. I think he's got a little more offensive upside than we think, so I'm excited to see what Tanner Carroll can bring. Downside. I know last week I said I had high hopes for Patrick Sharp, but I have seen nothing in this preseason that tells me he's improved from last year or the year before in Dallas. He does I have think... three assists, dude. Okay. But he's been on the, he's been playing uh against when the Hawks had their A team out, they're playing against crap. And assists are one thing. I've not seen the same uh you know signs of a you know the things Patrick Sharp used to be good at. You know, kind of getting space, creating his own shot, showing his speed. Mm-hmm. It just seems like the decline is real. Um, I thought, based on how he looked physically and the way people were talking about him, that he would look different, would look sort of like his old self here a little bit in the preseason, and I haven't seen it. So um, I hope it doesn't happen. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that, you know, these three assists are a sign of things to come and he's going to be fine. Because, again, if you can get 15, 20 goals out of him, it's a total win. You're paying him $800,000, so, you know, big deal. But I just have not seen through four preseason games um, what I was hoping to see out of Patrick Sharp. But he could also be shaking the rust off after a pretty major surgery. So I'm not totally, hold, you know, totally judging right now. I just think that I was expecting to see a little more than I have already. Mm-hmm. All right, email here from Danny. Hello, Danny. He says... With the rise of Minnesota, St. Louis, and especially Nashville and our division, coupled with the loss of Hosa, Jalmerson, and Salary Capel, do you think the Hawks have enough for one more championship run, or is that window now shut for the time being? Um, addressed this a little bit earlier, and I was talking about the growth of Nick Schmaltz and uh, Alex DeBrincat. And if those guys max out, as it looks like they possibly could, then I think the window is wide open again because you still have a lot of good years left of Kane and Taves. I still think Duncan Keith has two or three really good years left. Um, And you're going to have some other young players coming up through the system as well. Um, I don't think it's totally closed yet. No, I don't. I am am inclined to agree with you. I think that's a really uh, smart take on your part that this window could be forced back open with some of the guys that are around. But I do think that there is a lot of uh, you need to kind of prove it element to this team too like there are plenty of questions that still need to be answered on the regular season stage but i'm optimistic that they can be and that we'll get some satisfactory answers 
All right, email here from Shane Crosby. He says, uh, which Blackhawk will go earliest overall in fantasy leagues across all platforms? I'm assuming he just forgot about Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane, zero question. Right, so let's say besides him. Aside from Patrick Kane, who is going to be the first Blackhawk drafted? I would say uh, Duncan Keith would probably uh, be. Duncan Keith, building... and, yep, I would go with that, yeah. How about this question? You are uh, at the draft, and you have a choice between Jonathan Taves and Brandon Saad. Who do you take? I am going to take. Uh, I'm going to take Brandon Saad. Honestly, I think he's poised to have a 35 goal season. I think I agree with you, and I think Taves is going to have a ba- uh, bounce back year uh, offensively a little bit. I think you'll see him in the 70s, high 60s somewhere in points. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, I, I'm expecting a huge year from Brandon Saad. He is a the he's right now he's at his best and he's still at that point where he's going to keep getting better before he starts to go down. Um, he is entering his prime, and it's crazy to say after two Stanley Cups and then two years in Columbus, um, you know that that he's still rising, but he is. And what I've seen from him in this preseason has been incredible. He's added a step or two of speed. He looks stronger. He's a smarter hockey player now. With all the experience he has, uh, I think huge year for uh, Brandon Saad. Absolutely huge year. I'm thinking, you know, 70, 75 points maybe, maybe even more than that. So I, I think that's a good call. All right, that's my vote there. Uh, question here from Cody Langelier or Langelier. I don't know. I don't know if it was French or not. Don't judge nice. me. Cody won the uh, NHL 18 at the uh, Chucks broadcast, so thanks for coming out to that, Cody. Appreciate it. He says, which young Blackhawk did Brinkett... Oh, I said it right. Hartman, Schmaltz. (laughs) 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 Ah, You said it right. (laughs) Ah, damn it. I'm going to beep that out. So, DeBrincat, Hartman, Schmaltz, Forsling, Snuggerud, or other, has had the biggest impact this season. Or, I'm sorry, Will... Sorry, let me start over. Which of these Hawks, DeBrincat, Hartman, Schmaltz, Forsling, Snuggerud, or other will have the biggest impact on this season and who has the biggest impact five years from now. I think the answer to this year is Schmaltz and five years from now it is Debrinket. I think there is uh, zero question that you are correct. I think the one variable that I could throw into this mix is if Jan Ruda bursts onto the scene and really has a big year for the Blackhawks. I think that he, if he can come in and be a top four type defenseman for you, I would argue that's a bigger impact than what Nick Schmaltz might be able to do. Sure. Well, based on need, for sure. I mean, uh, I have to share this story. And uh, I don't know if I should, but it's towards the end of the podcast, so I'm not too worried about it. Uh, Texted with Eddie Olchek the other day um, after Pat had mentioned, uh, you know, he wasn't feeling well and blah, blah. So this was, what day did Eddie go to practice? Friday? Uh, He was at morning skate on Thursday. Okay, so, yeah, so uh, Wednesday night I texted him. I said, Eddie, it's not the same without you. Get well soon. Uh, we all miss you. He said, thanks, Jay. Appreciate it. Um, the Hawks D, not good in my opinion. Oh. <laughs> so, I saw it was funny that in the midst of chemotherapy, I I, I, I said hey to Eddie O, and he's like, hey, uh, the Haw- I'm worried about the Hawks D. So <laughs> he's, still watching, he's still watching the Hawks. He's still got a close eye on the team. Um, but he's got his concerns with the D like we all do. Uh, very, very interesting. Very funny. I think I laughed out loud when I got that text because it is so – he's like the worst texter ever. 
So you have to decode Eddie Olchek texts. <laughs> and uh, I, I laughed so hard when I saw it. So uh, go, Eddie's going through a hard time. Obviously, we're thinking about him. We love him. He's great on the broadcast, the best analyst in the league. And uh, hopefully he gets back soon. Um, but even with all that, Eddie O, more concerned about the Hawks D than anything. All right, you got an email winner for us, champ? There's only one correct answer to that, I think, and that's the guy that set us off on our Mike Milbury tangent. Well, there were two, so we're going to give away two cards. How's that? Yeah, that sounds good. All right, I have the one. Hockey Brunch in Chicago is a friend of the show, uh, even though they've never texted before. Michael Lev, I believe, has won something before. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to grab two, the two I have, and I'm going to put them randomly behind my computer. I'm just going to grab one. The first one is for Michael Lev. Michael Lev gets a 1996 Team Mussolini upper deck hockey card. Holy mother of God. Very Dang. cool. In the Jets jersey where he belongs. Yep. The next card goes to Hockey Brunch in Chicago. One of my favorite Blackhawks ever, Steve Smith. Yeah. Good old number five. This is a pinnacle. This is the year, the 90, 1995 card, uh, where they don't have the first name on the front of the card. Steve Smith donning the Hawks jersey. looks. It's a good-looking card. So Hockey Brunch in Chicago gets that. I'll email those guys, get their info, and they'll get breakfast at Chuck's as well. Um, but with that, it's a nice, long podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed it. We are just over a week away from the regular season. The plan is, and the hope is, that we'll be able to do two podcasts a week during the season with a schedule of hopefully new podcasts coming out on Monday nights and Thursday nights. That's the plan. We're going to do our best to make it happen. The first month might be tricky with the Cubs in the playoffs. I'm going to be traveling a lot. I I will be in D.C. next week, very likely. Um, so uh, we will be here for you, though, multiple times a week. That's the plan when the Cubs settle down. Uh, so stick with us throughout this hockey season. You've done it already for two years. We're entering our third season, and we couldn't be happier. We couldn't be more excited. So thank you all for your support. We've also we'll be... got some great interviews coming up, too, by the way. We, Definitely. We, Jay and I are really looking to expand that part of our podcast. We like the idea of having kind of the little separate interviews so that if you need a little – like bite-sized 15-minute podcast while you're on a break at work or whatever. We're going to have some really good conversations coming up with some really, really cool people in the hockey industry. So definitely looking forward to that as well. Yes, and again, thank you all for your support. And if you want to help us out, um, the reason we were able to have a broadcast at Chalks was because we were able to buy the equipment to make it happen. That was all because of our Patreon and GoFundMe donors. Check out patreon.com slash madhousepod or gofundme.com slash madhousepod. Plenty of reward options there if you do choose to donate, uh, including dinner with the show. We have to do that, James. we got to bring one of our guys to Chuck's here coming up soon, so we got to pick a date for that as well. Uh, but plenty of options, but please support us. We say it every time, but uh, every penny raised on our Patreon or GoFundMe is used to benefit the podcast. Not to, does not just go into our pockets. Uh, so we do appreciate anything you can spare, be it a dollar, five bucks, ten bucks, whatever it is. We appreciate it, and we appreciate your listenership. Uh, and we are very excited to begin our third regular season with you, the Madhouse listeners. We love you, and we'll be back for you next week on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
Hey, we get it. You don't want to be hearing a progressive commercial right now. So let us tell you something you do want to hear. You are intelligent. You make all the right decisions. You were smart before smart was cool, and you made it cool again. You have a wealth of knowledge, and you are so very clever. <laughs> I bet you already knew I was going to say that, you genius. There. Don't you feel better? You'll also feel better when you hear you could save big when you switch to Progressive. But I'm pretty sure you already knew that, too. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Today on News 4 at 4. It's one of the most anticipated lists of the year. Consumer Reports' top new vehicle picks. Susan Hogan is working for you, showing you the safest, most reliable cars for your money. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Many kids in our area are back to in-person learning, and we are helping you keep them safe in the classroom. We're working for you. Small steps you can take at home to protect them at school and expert advice to ease anxiety for you and the kids. This week on News 4 Today on NBC4.